I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Zozo Championship Mega Pod. We are going four wide to break it all down. Joining me today, Mark Immelman is here. What's going on, Mark? Not too much. Good to be back with you, boys. I hope you've all been well. We're trying. We're trying to be, we're trying to be on our best behavior. We're trying to stay safe, all that good stuff. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg? Back-to-back days for you and I. What's up? Back-to-back. You know, it's been a little while since we've been four wide, I feel like. So um, it's good good to have the, the gang back together again. I'm looking forward to it. And Kyle Porter is here, KP. Another day, new house. I'm just traveling all over the United <laughs> States. So ready, ready to talk Tiger, ready to talk Zozo. I've got – can we talk about the field? Yeah, that's our. That's literally our first topic. Go for it. Let's let's go. Why? I know we talked about this last week. Tiger is the defending champ, and he needs a sponsor invite into this field. What are we doing? What is this? So uh, we are much more prepared this time around uh, because we sat on this, you know, Tuesday pod last week. Like, how? Why does Brooks need an ex- a sponsor's invite into this? So here's here is the qualifications for the Zozo Championship. The top 60 available PGA Tour players from the previous season's FedEx Cup standings. So that's that's the wrinkle that gets all these guys outside of it. KP, all the guys that had uh, you know their 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 season shortened in the midst of it last year, and then also didn't perform all that well. So Tiger Woods, the defending champion, requires a sponsor's invite along with Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Phil Mickelson, Justin Rose, Jordan Spieth to get into this event. You know, what's interesting about that is it's it's very rare that the winner of a tournament is going to finish outside the top 60. So you you win you win the Zozo. In, in a year, let's say you win it this year, it's very likely that next year you're going to be somewhere around that top 60. So I, I wonder if because of the situation that happened and the schedule that Tiger played, if things kind of went in an unforeseen direction. It would have been awesome if they were like, no, nah, we're good. We're, <laughs> we're actually not giving Tiger an exemption. Scrambling <laughs> <laughs> to play Jackson, Mississippi or something before the uh, Masters. Yeah. That would be sweet. 
So the the rest of the 78 are filled out with uh, the top seven players from this season's Japan Golf Tour, the top three players from one of their premier events, the Bridgestone Open, and then eight sponsors exemptions, which I listed earlier. So, Mark, we're, we're going back to the 78-player field, no-cut event. It is a very similar field to what we had last week uh, at the CJ Cup in Shadow Creek. You know, usually we say cream rises to the top. That cream last week was was Jason Kokrak, uh, who, who played outside of his mind, but really deep field as a lot of guys are trying to make that preparation into Augusta National in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And and just like last week, it's another golf course that sort of has a similar feel to Augusta National. Now, you, you don't want to discount events and say, well, they're prepping for Augusta. But the reality of it is, even though it's the Zozo Championship at a fantastic golf course in Sherwood, a lot of these guys are sort of getting a barometer and a bearing on on where the game is, you know, what they've been working on, how that's doing under pressure. And I think that's the big deal is to get a little pressure on, you know, and some of these guys now playing in strong fields, added pressure, demanding golf courses, not demanding, just different golf courses. And so I think it's a, it's a nice way to go. And, and to that, uh, Sherwood is just a gem. I mean, it's a wonderful golf course that sort of touches all areas of the game and it, it loves a guy who can strike an iron well. So that's why Tiger Woods has been so successful around here in, in years past. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Sherwood because it was the host of the event that is now called the Hero World Challenge. This might have one of the records for like most name changes in the last eight or ten years. This one, uh, but what is now the Hero World Challenge hosted that from 2000 to 2013. Now, Greg, you and I talked about this a little bit uh, on Monday's pod. Uh, it's a familiar course, right? We, we've seen it before, but it's been a while. They've done some work to it since. Uh, I, Jacob had a great article where they kind of changed everything from, I think it was Bermuda to Bent, and there was just a kind of a lot of irrigation stuff going on. Uh, but this should be somewhat of a familiar course, especially if you play those old Tiger Woods video games. I know Sherwood, like the Back of my hand. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool spot, and you're looking at some of the t, uh, some of the driving holes are somewhat uh, tight. There are a lot of areas where you can lose a ball for sure, um, and and but at the same time, it asks for some movement, which I think is one of the reasons why the course looks so cool on TV. Is it it's asking you to to move the ball around, um, and and there are a lot of shot values. You may call it a a shot maker's golf course. Where, where curving the ball is is advantageous, and I, I I also believe that's one of the reasons Tiger's had success here. It asks you to cur- to curve the ball a little bit, and um and and particularly my sources anyway say fading the ball is a, is definitely an advantage at Sherwood, which Tiger does quite well. So uh, I I think it's a really cool golf course, um and and I'm excited to see it on TV again because it's been since 2014 2015 or I think 2014 was the last time. I mean, for me personally, I wasn't really covering the game then. So I was watching solely as a fan and I, I didn't really know anything about golf course architecture or what golf courses are asking you to do. I just know that, you know, the scenery looks pretty cool. So I'm excited to get a new perspective this year on it. I'm glad you referenced the scenery because, you know, so many of these great golf courses have so many backstories to them. And, and just up the way is Riviera, which is like the playground of the rich and famous and the Hollywood glitterati. The cool thing about Sherwood, and uh, you know, and, and something I found out here recently was, it was an area before the golf course was designed that they filmed the Robin Hood movie at, 
hence the name, Sherwood Forest. And you've got all these Hollywood stars out there. A bunch of the folks moved there, all actors and stuff that live around the place that are members there. And so you've got this Hollywood kind of a feel about the place, which makes it cooler. And then, uh, and, and, and to the, and I'm a big one for club logos. You know, I, I love to go and see what the logo is. And the logo of this golf course is a bow and arrow. Kind of Robin Hood's bow and arrow. So, so there's, there's all these cool backstories. And to Greg's point, the scenery is incredible between the rugged hills and stuff of uh, sort of the area just outside of LA. But then also just the way the golf course winds between these canyons and stuff like that. It's beautiful for TV and it's, and, and it's, it's really I certainly can't wait to see how it plays KP we're going to talk a lot about Tiger in a second so I want to focus on uh on Sherwood for just one more minute here there's five par fives out here five par fives on a par 72 Greg and I were going back and forth trying to think of others we got Monterey Peninsula uh has five par fives I believe we couldn't think of another course that is unique in this way who was calling you Mark I, I think it was Greg. I think it's Tiger Woods calling Greg. Greg, <laughs> Greg's trying to get some picks in from, from Rick. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. You know, yeah, my I, matchup pick. Mute <laughs> your thing, dude. Uh, so I was looking at some of the numbers on Sherwood, and and I think what's interesting, you know, Data Golf has a really cool tool where you can kind of compare it to other. Uh, golf courses and you know what Mark kind of said earlier that it tests your iron play uh, maybe more than most I I think it's true Uh, this is a place where you have to be more accurate than normal uh, off the tee uh, at a a regular PGA Tour stop Data Golf has it compared to Innisbrook which I think is is pretty intriguing Uh, Muirfield Village was also up there which I don't think of Muirfield Village as necessarily being like you have to be super accurate off the tee. I guess it depends on what the rough is doing. Um, but the, so, so you have one thing going on. You think about, oh, there's five par fives. Some bomber is going to win it. Well, maybe, but you, it, it seems like you're going to have to maybe be more accurate than, uh, than normal off the tee to, to play well here. So I think that's going to be – now, some of that – are we just throwing it out the window because of like the Bryson effect and all this stuff? I don't know. Maybe, maybe everything is rendered obsolete based on what happened 10 years ago, but that was one kind of nugget that I was fixated upon as I kind of prepared for this event. We're going to jump into the man, the myth, the legend Tiger Woods here in a second, but don't forget the UEFA champions league is back with every match streaming on CBS all access. That means Messi, Neymar, Lewandowski icons of today, but the next generation is not far behind match day. One of the group stage is here this week and you don't miss the drama of the world's most prestigious tournament combined with the world-class coverage of CBS Sports. Just go to cbssports.com slash UCL to start your free trial today. The UEFA Champions League, there is nothing like it. Greg, there's nothing like Tiger Woods. Uh, We're only seeing him a handful of times every single year. Obviously, a place that he is very comfortable with. Now, the the story you're going to hear, the the little factoid you're going to hear about a million times this week is Tiger has five wins at Sherwood. He has five runner-up finishes, all in 18-man fields. Uh, The latest coming in, let's see, 2011 was his last victory around Sherwood we fe- we it feels like we are fa- uh, fairly far removed from those days of Tiger Woods your expectations for him this time around man there's um 
kind of this question that lingers that we ask when, when we're handicapping events, we yes, this question all the time. How do you compare course history and, and a player's comfort level on a golf course to their recent form, how they're playing right now? And I, I think we've kind of come to the conclusion that recent form is much more important than, than course history. And I look at this golf course as what some of the things Kyle was saying. It reminds us a little bit of, of Innisbrook, where there's um, a, a, an importance to controlling your golf ball. I won't call it driving accuracy because I don't believe the difference between fairway and rough is the difference. The difference is, are you losing your golf ball or is it in play? And so for someone like Tiger, he's got to put the ball in play in order to take advantage of his strengths out here. As Mark said, it it accepts a well-struck iron shot quite nicely. And so for Tiger Woods to get the ball in play is going to be the most important thing. I haven't seen really great evidence of that. I haven't seen evidence that his swing is in great form or he has complete control of his golf ball. And then you add into the equation the the questions we have with his putting. I do think there's a chance he has control of his golf ball tee to green. There's a chance that his full swing is in great shape coming in this week. But I think the chances of his putting stroke being in the form that we're used to seeing in 2010, 2007, 2006, some of these years he had great success here. I I think it's very unlikely that the putting is in that kind of form. So my expectations for Tiger are unfortunately, um, I, I would say, rather low. To bear in mind along those lines that you point out, um, Greg, is that uh, I think the golf course is just a little north of 7,000 yards. So it's not overly long by the modern day standards. And and it's a Nicholas design and Nicholas likes you to move the ball in multiple directions. But there's always an out on one side or the other. So so it sort of lets you play the ball to one area. And so from from Wood's point of view, you know, if as we've watched him lately, I, I wouldn't say, you know, that 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 ball that's just off the grid is the Achilles heel anymore. Off the tee, he's been very reliable. If there has been a weakness, it's been in the scoring clubs. And this is the sort of place where he can gear down and go to like two iron off the tee or one of those sorts of situations where you put yourself in a place where you can hit an approach shot from about that 175-yard range, which is right in the wheelhouse. So so I'm sort of with you. He, he can play a little more defense off the tee, and he can play a little aggressive with the irons. But the key for Woods this week is, is, is how does the putting stroke stand up under the pressure of competition? Because when you're out there playing by yourself at medalist, yes, you can play for a few dollars with your buds or whatever, but it's different when you're going to make something from six feet curving you know, on, on Friday afternoon for argument's sakes to make the cut. Tiger is going to defend uh, in his next two starts. He's going to defend here at the Zozo uh, almost by all accounts. The next time we're going to see him is Augusta National, where he will also be defending. He is looking for that 83rd career PGA Tour victory, Kyle. And we scratched the surface on this Sunday night as we kind of looked ahead uh, to this event. And I just want to ask you a very broad question and then we can kind of drill into this. Why does Tiger Woods play golf? <laughs> wow. How, how much time do we have? <laughs> we got enough. <laughs> um, so I wrote about this on Monday with Tiger and I think he doesn't like – what else is he going to do? I don't know. Like, like seriously, like what's the day-to-day look like if he doesn't play golf? Now, 
there he could do anything like anybody would partner with him to do whatever he wanted but i think he's so like in this routine of like this is just what i do and i think you combine that with the later stages of his career uh i think he's enjoyed the camaraderie in a way that he didn't earlier like i think he genuinely enjoys maybe more so playing two practice rounds with jt and gary woodland on Tuesday and Wednesday than he does four rounds of competition at Sherwood. It's probably different for major championships, but I I think that's a real thing. And I I just don't know that he knows what else he would do. I I think the interesting part with Tiger, and this is the part that I wrote about, is he – so we just talked about how his game's not sharp. Nobody thinks that it is. And yet his game was way less sharp this time last year and he wins the Zozo. And you're like, well, I, what do I do with that? Like, people people look back at last year and they're like, oh, the Masters was crazy. The Zozo, him winning the Zozo was way crazier. Do you remember? So they played that, like, a charity match on Wednesday or whatever. It was him, Hideki, it was, Rory. It was and Monday. Day. Was okay, Monday. right. Because, right, okay. Yeah. And I was like, he looks bad. Like, yeah. he's been playing bad. He doesn't, he looks like he can barely walk. And then he goes out and wins uh, the week. I mean, it was unbelievable. Bogey his first three holes, too. Yeah. Well, and there was a great quote. So Gary Woodland played the last two rounds with him. I think they had some weather delays, so they played together for the last two rounds. And there's this great quote that I think about, or I've thought about a lot over the last year. He said, um, to battle through the injuries he's dealt with, gosh, he's playing unbelievable. The ball striking exhibition I've seen the last two days is a joke. <laughs> and that's Gary Woodland, who is a top 15 ball striker on tour. So, I don't know. I just I, I get a little wary with Tiger of like the 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 it, depending on how his body feels, what's going on, he can flip it so quickly, and he's gonna and that like what happened at the Zozo last year is gonna happen again at some point over the next three years at a tournament. We're gonna be like, oh my gosh, like I didn't I did not see this coming at all. I don't I don't know that that'll happen this week, but it will happen again, and I think that's sort of I don't know. There's an excitement there for me that. Um, in a different way than there was over the course of the rest of his career. You know, the, um, the question, Rick, I think is fascinating. Why does Tiger play? And I just want to make a couple of points here. One, I think Tiger plays out of, in some degree, obligation. And it's a, it, it's an obligation that um, is not just financially driven, but I think he understands his place in the game and understands his importance in the game. And if you look at the events that he plays in, he plays in his event, the Genesis, which is uh, a very important event for his foundation, a very important event for the game. It, it's now an elevated status event. So the PGA Tour has backed his event and put it on the same level as the Arnold Palmer Invitational, Arnie's event, uh, the, and the Memorial Tournament, which is Jack's event, two other events he plays in. Those are out of respect in large part to not just the PGA Tour, but to Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas. And he is viewed now as one of those guys with his tournament. So, so there's a, there's an element of respect there. The playoffs also events that he plays in are extremely important to the PGA tour. It's important for the tour to understand. It's important for the players to understand that what the tour values is important for everybody. So tiger plays in those events as much as he possibly can. Um, out of it's, it's almost an obligation to the tour. And then the major championships, of course, he's going to play in those. He still has, there's still something that he's chasing there where he still wants to win. So I, I do think a lot of it is 
is that Tiger has understands his place in the game as a, as a leader of the game. And I think that's a big reason why he plays. So I, I, I agree with a lot of that, Mark, I want to bring you in on this because this, this stems from a conversation we were having Sunday evening and we were, we were kind of comparing Phil Mickelson to Tiger Woods. Cause Phil goes out, he plays champions tour events. I think Kyle said, is Tiger, is Tiger going to play in champions tour events? I was like, absolutely not no i don't think so it just it just seems like phil's uh body is is much is in much better shape i think it seems like he enjoys it more you know i tried to make the argument that tiger is playing legacy golf right he's chasing 83 he's chasing 18 or 19 whatever he could possibly get to um and like if he was at 19 right now if he was at 83 and 19 or whatever like we might see him once a year and we might just see him at Augusta. I don't know. So th- that's kind of what sparked this conversation. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Well, uh, well all your points are well-founded, but but to me, I, I, I'm always going to gravitate back to the human being of this all. And, and for Tiger Woods, ever since he was a kid, he was not very present with his family. Uh, and, and then when he turned professional, he was even less present. And, and wherever you'd go, there'd be security and, and folks would be split from each other. So now he's in a place where you know, because he had so much respect for his father. Now he's a father as well of a broken family. You know, he and Elon obviously got divorced. So, so, so he's got this parental thing going on too. And so as the human being, yes, I'm with you. There'll probably be some legacy golf and, and, and yes, he gets out to, he loves to mix it up with the boys a little bit when he's back on tour. And yes, there's the, the, the physical ailments, but I think for Tiger over the little while now, he's in his early forties, you know, who knows how much more golf time he's got but he's got a lot of time to be present now with his family, with his kids, to, to impart all the lessons he's learned on the children, to, to be around when, when his son's playing golf, to be around when his daughter's playing soccer. You know, these things he never really was there for. And, and I'll tell you this, and you guys travel a little bit too, if there's extended travel and commitments and all this sort of stuff, you find yourself not really being available when you're around the house. And Tiger was always that sort of guy where you could see his mind was elsewhere. His mind was at the job to be achieved. But now I firmly believe, in, and he says it a bunch, that when the first question pitched to him, so Tiger, what you been up to? Well, I've been working out and I've been at home with the kids and I've been playing golf. And, and the, so, so, so I think there's that stuff that we've got to bear in mind too now where Tiger is in his 40s. He, he's, he's, he's not on the doorstep of 50, but, but, but it's time now for the legacy of being not just a global icon and a sporting champion but to be a le- what legacy have you left with your children mm. so, so i'm i'm always going to sort of pivot that way a little bit i don't know it for sure i can speak from personal experience and, and having seen him on tour it's almost like he was in a different plane to all of us all the time and he was sort of removed and you could see mentally he was somewhere different and i can imagine from that place which takes a lot of work to now being able to just be at home and just be dad and just sort of chilling out I think there's probably a, a huge learning curve within him. And I'm sure knowing Tiger as he approaches challenges, he's thrown himself completely into. Yeah. It, it's, uh, real real yeah. quick. Yeah. Uh, imagine going back to 2005 and telling yourself that one of these guys' bodies between Phil and Tiger would be much better for playing golf in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it would not be Tiger. Well, longest time you speak to all the legends they'll say to you long swing long career mm-hmm. you've got that syrupy sort of oily action you know you're not putting a lot of torque on the joints you know there's there's not a lot of corrosion going on you know that thing's going to stand the test of time and we're seeing it with phil i mean i saw an unbelievable video or 
the other day of him with a driver from the front at this Champions Tour event where, I mean, the backswing looked almost longer than what it was when he was playing amateur golf and was long back then. So so there, there is something to be said for all of that where Tiger just always had a more vigorous, more athletic, more sort of demanding action than Phil did. Who do you think has better dad jokes? Phil. Uh, Phil thinks he does. <laughs> <laughs> Phil definitely thinks he does. <laughs> with, with needle and with a little sort of edge to you when they're making jokes and stuff. But but Phil is always something. There, there's always an ulterior motive to every, everything he says, and he's always trying to catch one out. So I think, I think Phil Phil's always had to earn it. Everybody just always laughed at Tiger because he's Tiger. So right. Tiger never really like developed it, and Phil actually <laughs> had to like work at it. So probably Phil. Inside the locker room, when Phil's holding court, there is always a group of folks around and they are, it's, it's constant giggling and laughing and, and Phil hams it up all of the time, as you can imagine. I, I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> all right, gentlemen, we got to do matchups, expert picks, one and done, and our best bets. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back. All right, let's jump into the matchups for this week. Plenty of big names in the field, and we're going to start with a couple of big boys. Xander Shoffley, minus 120, might be, I think he is the hottest player on earth right now, versus Rory McIlroy, rarely an underdog, Greg, at plus 100. Who would you like? Well, uh, unfortunately, I can't copy your pick this week. It's already in the, not in the rundown. <laughs> oh, I don't have it in the outline here. Oh, yeah, you actually do. Well, all right. I'll, so I'll, I, I hinted at this a little bit yesterday, Rick. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Rory here. And I believe Xander, if you look back at um, a couple of his events, this run that he's had for the past year, which has been incredible. There have been two events uh, in 2020 where he's been outside the top 25. One of them was the Farmers Insurance Open. Now, that was a miscut that followed a really, really uh, tough loss at the Century Tournament of Champions. And if you're Xander Shoffley, you you probably feel like you let the Tournament of Champions get away. You feel like you should have won that event, and, and you feel like you gave it away. 
and then he misses the cut the very next week. Gets back into great form. Uh, then the the shutdown happens. The return. Charles Schwab challenge. He comes in third, another event where he misses a short putt late and, and Xander likely feels like he let that tournament get away the very next week tied 64th, his only other tournament where he was outside the top 25. I think this past week was another one where Xander, he, he probably doesn't feel like he let it get away, but I think there was, a, it, it was an emotional high last week and he felt like he was really peaking and playing his best golf. I'm expecting a little bit of an exhale out of Xander this week. Um, nothing to worry about long-term, but I, I think Rory's going to gonna edge him out this week. Okay, I've also opted for Rory, and I want to make this case and get Kyle's opinion on this. So I, I could go both ways on this. Uh, Rory, on approach, since the restart, has been pedestrian he's been pedestrian i mean it's it's been tour average uh last week at the cj cup was his worst approach week since like 2018 honda classic still finished 21st so i could go both ways and say like even when he can't hit you know he's having historically bad uh ball striking week he finds a way to finish in 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 the top 20 and he has a high floor and I like him in matchups. I don't know. I, that's, that's what I've convinced myself of, but like, should I be concerned that over the last 11 events, Rory McIlroy is an average PGA tour player in stroke skin approach? Yes, you should. Uh, I, I mean, concerned, like he's still like the seventh <laughs> best player in the world, but Xander's the best player in the world. So I think, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I want to take Rory when he's an underdog in a matchup right. because you're like, well, this is dumb. But because you guys, I think, honestly, if I had gone first, I would have taken Rory. But because you guys are taking Rory, I, I just, I mean, I'm going to pick Xander to win again. So I'm, I'm going to take him against Rory. I mean, Xander, Xander I, I think we're underrating how hot he is right now. Like, he is lights out. Like, he's an automatic, it feels like, top 10 or top 5. And Rory is certainly playing pretty well, but it's just not, I mean – it, it, it's not to where Xander's at right now. Since the restart, Xander is the best strokes gain total player uh, on tour yeah. by a quarter of a stroke. Like he's kind of lapping the field. It's been, it's been that good. Mark Rory or Xander. Um, let's, before I make my pick, um, let's just acknowledge that any week, anything can go in the right direction or the wrong direction in a hurry. We saw that with Matthew Wolf last week and I look like a complete moron with my pick for him to win. And my one and done pick. So that's what golf represents. And with a, with a talent like McElroy, it can happen at any time. And, and I'm seeing the makings of it. It, it. it doesn't look like he's free-flowing like he is when he's, he's virtuoso, but you can see he's constructing rounds. So there's a lot of good stuff on the go there. That all being said, Xander right now has no weakness, and, and I'm going with Xander this week. All right, split. That's Xander. That's Kyle and Mark with Xander, Rick and Greg with Rory McElroy. Greg, Patrick Reed minus 110 versus Daniel Berger minus 110. So this one, um, I, I really like Patrick Reed this week in the sense that I, I think it should be a good course fit for him. Um, but in this, I, I have some questions that are looming about him. So I'm going to take the safe play. I believe Daniel Berger is as safe as it gets. He has just been really steady, really solid um, in all areas of his game. So I'm going to go with Berger here just as kind of the, the safer pick. Mark, we'll jump to you, Patrick Reed or Daniel Berger. It's a toss-up for me, but uh, Greg mentioned it earlier how this golf course moves in multiple directions and, and, and it sort of allows the creativity in one to come out. 
And Berger is, I wouldn't say one-dimensional, but, but he hits one ball flight and he's a heck of a, a, heck of a player. But b- between these two, I, I'm favoring Reed this week. Kyle, Reed or, Reed or Berger? I think I'm going to go Reed. Berger, Berger was so con- – I mean, he was like a top three guy after the restart. But Tour Championship, U.S. Open, he, he wasn't very good. And I don't know. that It, it might be just a blip. I kind of felt that about Scotty Shuffler, but he's it's sort of stayed with him. So I think I'm going to go read here. I think I just trust him more in this in this tournament in this situation. Uh, I too have high hopes for Patrick Reed this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So I'll take him over Daniel Berger in this matchup. KP will stay right here with you. Colin Morikawa minus one twenty five uh, versus Hideki Matsuyama plus one hundred five. Morikawa. The two missed cuts in a row, then he finished like T12 last week, looking better uh, against Hideki. Yeah, talk about second shot guys. I mean, for a second shot course, this is pretty good. Uh, I'm going to go with Hideki just as the underdog. Um, that's really the only reason. I, I see these two guys as pretty equivalent here. Uh, Mark, Morikawa or Matsuyama? Uh this is a hard one um, because I've I've liked where Hideki's going, but but there's always a question mark for me with the performance on the greens. So given there was a massive uptick tick ball striking wise for Morikawa after that sort of funny slump he was going through, he made a few putts when it meant something on Sunday. So I'm I'm, I'm going with the, the the California boy in California. Uh, I am as well, Morikawa, to put uh, some numbers to that, Mark. He was fourth in strokes gained approach last week. He was eighth in strokes gained tee to green. Always a couple of my favorite digits. Uh, Greg, round us out here. Is it Colin or is it Hideki? Yeah, it's Morikawa here. Um, so Hideki, I was very high on last week and Sunday, he played quite well until Sunday and it, it was a real letdown with Morikawa. He's trending in the right direction. Um, another player I've been on for the past couple of weeks and he's just, he continues to, to get out of that slump that Mark referenced that mini slump there. So I think Morikawa is back to himself this week and it's going to be a really solid week for him. All right, we're going to go rapid fire on our last three here. Greg, we'll stick with you. Ricky Fowler plus 100 or Tiger Woods minus 125? I'm going to take a chance with Tiger here. I don't like the recent form of either of these players, and I love the course history of of Tiger Woods. I know that's not a huge factor, but uh, I think it is – maybe the one thing that goes in the advantage of Tiger Woods between these two. So uh, I'm going to take Tiger. I think it's maybe a little more fun as well. <laughs> a little more fun for Tiger, Mark, Fowler, or Woods? No cut. I'm going with Tiger Woods. I think he'll build over four rounds. KP? Uh, I'll go with Fowler. Underdog. I want to be on an island here. Um, I don't really trust either one of them right now, but I'll, I'll go with Fowler. All right. Well, so you... oh, oh, we missed it, Mark. Oh, forgive me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, we, you're not going to be on an island, KP. Even though I'm rocking all the Tiger gear, I'm going with Ricky Fowler this week. Uh, JT plus 100 versus John Rahm minus 120. A couple of big boys. Mark, we'll start with you. Hey, um, at the risk of sounding like Kyle, uh, Kyle Porter, yeah, I, I, I'm loving what I see out of Justin Thomas. Like last week, it didn't look like he was at his best, and he still found a way to make himself part of the storyline. So uh, I, I'm, go, I'm I'm hoping for JT here. I hope he doesn't win because then I have to start uh, listening to Kyle Porter. For 
whatever. You'll have to get a, a, a postcard, a little uh, index card, and keep all of his victories. KP, is it JT or is it John Rom? Yeah, you, you know, to get JT as an underdog in a matchup is insane. Okay. Uh, I freaking like Rom right now, though. Uh, you know, he had a couple of of bad rounds last week at at the CJ, but. Um, I mean, his numbers over the over the course of the last three or four months are just – they're insane. I mean, Mark talked about no holes with Xander. There's no holes with Rom either. And I'm going to go with him over JT, even though JT's the underdog. All right. That's one for JT. It's one for Rom. Greg, which way are you heading? Uh, I'm going to make this one a tie here. I'm going to go with Rom. I believe, I, I believe that driving in the golf ball is going to be important this week. Um, and, and I think that Rom is – it's more than I think. Rom's the better driver of the golf ball. It's a real strength of his, which is why I'm, I'm disappointed we're not going to see Dustin Johnson because I, I think this would be a perfect course for him. But John Rom is a, is a great driver of the ball. It's going to be important this week. Uh, so I'm going to take him over JT. DJ's, right. the, uh, DJ's the course record holder here and last week, I think. Um, right. well, before, the, uh, before the week last week anyway. No longer. Like that was, that was somebody beat that on Thursday. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But yeah, um, I'll take JT in this matchup and our final matchup, gentlemen, Webb Simpson and Terrell Hatton, both minus one ten. Uh, we haven't seen Webb in a week or two. Hatton obviously playing well all over the world. Mark Webb or Hatton. The tough call, but I'm going to go with Webb. I am also going to go with Webb, uh, Greg. Yeah, I'm going to go with Webb too. I mean, you're, th- this is what this bet looks like. You're going to go with Webb, or are you, or do you think Hatton's going to win? That's basically where he's got to finish inside the top three to beat Webb, and I, I'm just not sure that's going to happen again. So for me, the steady guy Webb is the the better play in this matchup. Kyle, would you like to be the lone wolf on Terrell Hatton? I would. There, I'm on uh, Hatton Island. There's just a stock, <laughs> there's a stockpile of shotguns, so you can just, and <laughs> and plenty of water <laughs> all around to just fire at. It's great. I'm going. I'm riding Terrell Hat. He's. These, I mean, he's really good right now. Like super underrated in terms of what he's done over the last year. So I, I'll, I'll go with. I mean, Webb probably is too, but I'll go with Hatton. All right, let's get to our picks, and we'll start with Sleepers. Greg, oh, this is not not a name I expected to see. Tell me who your sleeper is. Adam Scott. Mm. Uh, This just it just feels like an Adam Scott style golf course. There's a lot of value in hitting, um, in in hitting the ball and play off the tee. There's a lot of value in in solid ball striking, approaching the greens, Um, and then and what Adam Scott has done is he's improved his putting to a tremendous, I mean, his putting has been fantastic to the point where it's the strength of his game. And when a player who hits it tee to green the way Adam Scott does and has confidence with the putter, it just, the game feels easy. It feels like he can do no wrong. And I, I think you're looking for, uh, you're, you're looking at a really solid Adam Scott week. Kyle, your sleeper is a guy who burned me last week. I love him, but uh, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous to go back to him. Yeah, it's Matt Hughes. I think he finished T fifty eight or T sixty eight last week. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't great. Um, again, I, I'm I'm gonna write. I, I think it's easy to take one event and say, okay, that's a one off. Let's throw that away because his last two or three months. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times on here. He's been really good. I, I like that it's a shorter course. Uh, I like that accuracy is is going to be maybe a little bit 
uh, more rewarded than, than most events. Um, I think he's like a hundred to one, which I, I feel like is a pretty good number. So I think, again, I think we're underrating a little bit of how good he's been over the last three or four months. I, I like Mac Hughes. Mark, you've broken the rules and you've put two sleepers in, but I'm looking at the names and I'm all in for it. I'm, I, I'll allow it. Who do you got here? Good question. What is a sleeper? What, what represents a sleeper? Because Adam Scott, he's not allowed to be a sleeper. Is it? I mean, sort of name in the game, but, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm really high on Abraham answer. So he's my pick, but I had to throw my boy to Kumi Kanaya and he played for me on the, uh, the part the Palmer cup last year in the international team. This kid can go and, and he's impressive. He's a young Japanese boy, puts the eyeballs out of it. Very, very accurate. So I just want to throw that out there to say, I'm going to drop this thing and just let people start to pay attention to Takumi Kanaya. Uh, Kanaya is 275 to one uh, to win the tournament, but top 20, five and a half to one. Pretty good uh, odds on your money in a 78-man field. Uh, I'll take Sebastian Munoz, who had the lowest key top 10 I've ever seen last week. He just shot like four rounds of two under and found himself uh, in the top 10. By the time the week was up, he's been playing really well. So I'll continue to ride on Munoz. Top 10 lock. I'll start. Uh, Victor Hovland just continues to tee to green everybody to death. Back-to-back top 15 finishes. Just seems to always find a way to put himself in contention. Greg, your top 10 lock is who? Colin Morikawa, uh, and I believe it's very, very similar to Victor Hovland, just tee to green people to death. But what I like about Morikawa is the trend that he's on. Things are building, things are growing in his game, and I think it's going to lead to a, another really solid week. The uh, T12 finish last week was a, a an uptick in performance, and he's gradually building in the right direction, and I think you're going to see – I don't know if this is going to be the peak performance for him, but I think you're pretty close on a course that's a really it should be a really good fit for him. KP, lock me up with somebody. Yeah, I got John Rom. Over the last three months, here's a stat for you. Over the last three months, nobody on tour is gaining at least 0.4 strokes per round in every single category except for John Rom. That's dangerous. Yeah, he's no hole. There's no holes. Oof, that gives that gives me the uh, gives me goosebumps. Uh, Mark, your top ten locks. See, I like this. I like getting a little a little odd value. You know, John Rom. What's he like? Even money to finish in the top ten. Mark goes a little bit deeper. I like this. Uh, well, you can't. I, I just cannot avert my eyes from Jaco Neiman. I mean, this kid just week in and week out flights the thing low in the fairway, hits some beautiful iron shots. Is almost fearless right now, and 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 he's he's a very timely putter. And it looks to me like he's just going from strength to strength. From since that big Presidents Cup that he had done in Royal Melbourne, which is a demanding golf course, and he was kind of one of the alpha dogs on that international team. He just looks like he is really filling out and and becoming almost bigger mentally than what he is physically. And so I love the look of his game. Well, I'll spoil this. He's three and a half to one to finish in the top 10. That is my best bet. So I am all with you on that mark time for picks to win. We'll just, we'll just stay here, Mark. You were, uh, uh, you've got your eyes on someone who's playing uh, really well at the moment. Who is your pick to win? Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm sort of giving away my one and done lean <laughs> with Xander Shoffley um, in California, obviously playing well, comfortable environment. Um, and I, he was just so impressive last week. Yes, he didn't win. But, you know, it's one of those situations where 
you know, you might run your personal best and someone outruns you just that one week. I feel like there's a, there, there's a little something cooking here and, and, and Xander is, is primed to pull it off. KP, you are in lockstep with Mark and you are in lockstep with Xander as your pick to win. Yeah, I'm just going to, I mean, if it's a, if it's a small field event with no cut, I'm probably picking Xander right now, which uh, I know the masters has a cut, but that's going to be, he's going to be super interesting there because of his finish last year, because of the way he's, I mean, he's the best player in the world right now. And I wish I could go. I wish it was two and done. Jacob's making up producer. Jacob is making up rules as we go in the one and done league. So I don't know why we can't implement that for the fall, but uh, I would love to pick Xander again. Cause he's, he's lights out. I love it. Uh, I went with Patrick Reed, which Greg, you and I kind of chatted about this on Mondays on the, on the fantasy breakdown. You know, when, when you don't play, uh, your your public perception, the odds get a little bit longer because people kind of forget about you. And then the last time he played was in Europe and he played well. He finished in, uh, in third at the BMW PGA Championship. But we haven't seen him over here in a while. So that number's drifted a little bit. He's 25 to one. He's playing well. Low-key big game hunter. I'll take Patrick Reed as my pick to win. Greg, round us out with your winner. Uh, I'm going to go with, oh, and by the way, I do think it's not a bad idea for one and done. Maybe we go one plus one and done. And so that could be a good option for Xander. Mulligan, just to, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you get like, you can use five guys twice or something. But we can, we can talk about that offline. Um, so my pick to win, Kyle mentioned a lot of this. Um, I like John Rahm. I think that his ability off the tee is going to be really important this week. And I think it's going to be an advantage where you may see Tiger hitting some two irons to get the ball in play. John Rahm's going to be able to get the ball in play with three wooden driver. It's going to be way down there. Um, and, and I think this, it, it's going to be a really big advantage and he's still in good form. Last week was a little bit slow, but I think he's going to, uh, wake up after that last, uh, after the performance last week and come out and, uh, and and show us why he's the best player in the world. One and done. Greg, I'm going to hang here with you because you are currently at 925,000. You're ahead of Jacob, but you are behind Kyle, myself, and Mark. So who are you targeting this week for your one and done? Uh, I, I think my sleeper is kind of where I'm where I'm leaning. Now it is that this is a pretty big purse, so you can go with some big names. But until I get the okay that uh, we are going to do a one plus one and done, uh, I, I think I got to play a little bit more cautious here. Uh, Adam Scott is where I'm leaning right now, um, and and I'm I'm still thinking with these majors upcoming, a Xander, a Rom, um, a a McElroy are going to be really really valuable down the stretch as we get into the midsummer. So I, I think Adam Scott is going to be a really good safe play, put on a great performance and I'm not going to be missing him too, too much. Mark, you are currently in third 1,055,000. I think you alluded to your one and done a bit earlier. Who are you thinking about? Um, sort of tripped up a little bit last week with Matthew Wolf, but in, in, in Vegas, but, but, but that's sort of always my plan is in these guaranteed points events with a small field to go with something, someone who you want to play, but you don't want them to run the risk of missing a cut. And Xander Shockley is my guy. I mean, he's, he's got the game to win anywhere, anything, any major championship. But right now, in a situation like this small field in California, to me, Xander is a no-brainer. 
All right, I'll go next. I'm at 1.30 million. Um, I'm considering Bubba Watson, who led the field in strokes gained T to green last week. I know it's not one of the three courses that he has a Hall of Fame career on, but uh, playing well, and he cannot burn me with a missed cut. So I think I'm going to spend him here. KP, you have a 15,000 point advantage. You're at 1.31. Your one and done lean looks like this one's hard because it's so, there's so much money. I mean, this is bigger than than I don't know eighty percent. I mean, it's one of the eight or ten biggest purses. So you, you would think you would go with a huge. I, I, I don't know. I've got written down three names. I've got Henley, Neiman, or going back to Kokrak. I mean, he's, he's playing really well. So. I don't know. I'm, I might end up with Russell Henley or, or uh, Joaquin Neiman. Those are th- that's kind of the direction that I'm leaning right now. Okay, that's a good segue. I've already talked about Neiman as my best bet for a top ten. That's three and a half to one. Kyle, your best bet in in line. Neiman's. We think he's trending in the right direction. Yeah, Neiman is top. Uh, this is non. I think it's non-American and non-European. Uh, is six to one. That's pretty good. You've got like. Jason Day in there. Uh, you've got Sung Jay. You've got Abraham Answer. You've got Hideki. Um, but yeah, I kind of like Neiman there based on how he's playing right now. Uh, certainly cannot argue with that. Mark, I love it. You've always got a, a hot fire uh, nationality bet. Your best bet of the week. Um, well, I love your Neiman bet for a top 10. I just have to say that. But I'm going with, I don't know what the odds you could help me on this one, uh, Rick, but I'm going with my boy Takumi is the low Japanese player. We've obviously got a bunch of Japanese guys in the field, but I feel like Takumi is going to turn a few heads. So depending on on what they offer, so there's there's top Asian, which he would be 10 to 1. Uh, with with the likes of Hideki, Sungjae, Benny on, he's actually the fourth shortest odds in that. Or you could also get him as a top three Asian at two to one. So a couple different. I'm going for top Asian player then. He's going to knock Hideki and come back. There you go. 10 to one if you want that. Greg, round us out with your best bet of the week. You know, I love the matchups. <laughs> I, I feel like they're a little tougher this week. Um, so I'm going to go with, Webb Simpson, top 10. Uh, you, you can get plus money on that, which I, I think is going to be uh, extremely likely and extremely valuable on a golf course that is, um, yes, yeah, so you can get that at plus 175. I think that's just a, a, a steal of a bet. So Webb, top 10, five par fives out here. I think that plays to Webb's advantage, believe it or not. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be a great fit for him. There you go. Zozo Championship, Tiger back in action. Phil! back in action stacked field no cut Sherwood we're loving it we'll be back all week with round by round recaps let me thank Mark Immelman you can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman let me thank Greg Ducharme you can find him at the real GFD let me thank Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS producer Jacob behind the glass this has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time Okay. 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.